If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm delighted to be back with you again. And our rental season has really kicked off into high gear with around 130 to 150 families going into properties every Saturday for the next eight or 10 weeks. It's, uh, well, we've been doing this for 15 years now. And of course, it wasn't the same in the beginning, you know, right at the very start, we just had 13 properties and, and it was a lot easier to manage. But now with 180 plus and it goes up it goes down as people sell cottages buy cottages put them with us take them away uh, it sort it, of remained around 180 but it does make quite the challenge on a weekend as as we have just such a lot of families vacating properties on a Saturday morning and you know, similar amount going in five hours later on a Saturday afternoon now this is this is, I would say 90% of our properties have that type of changeover with the five-hour window each week. It's just the nature of our vacation rental locations that that we do the Saturday-Saturday changeover and only rent weekly in the summer. We have a few properties that do weekends, but uh, they're very few and far between. And some will do the Friday-Friday changeover. In fact, I have my, my own cottage is a Friday-Friday changeover. And and that that's quite nice because there's less people going in on a Friday, but you know still we get the issues coming in. It uh, it it never stops. I love to sit down sometimes with other vacation rental managers and talk to them about all these common problems that we all face, the common issues that come up. Maybe it's an access issue, or maybe it's it's an issue about not reading something that was in the listing and having having some expectations that aren't met and then trying as far as we can to manage those expectations as best we can. And then, of course, as, as people leave properties, then we get all the calls from the owners who are, who are reporting maybe minor damage or, or maybe major jam- damage. So for, for the next, for the rest of the summer, that's, that's the way we'll roll for weekends. It uh, quietens down a bit during the week, which is, is quite nice. But we have a lot of new listings coming on. So we, we're busy getting those up on our website and, uh, and marketing them. So ever, ever busy. So my guest today is another property manager. But uh, this, uh, this guest is, has, has a smaller number of properties, but she is immensely dedicated to making sure that her guests have the best possible experience. Her name is Maria Barbera Lamb, and her company is called Wicked Awesome Main Vacations, which I absolutely love. And I'm going to be talking to Maria about uh, a number of issues relating to be an owner of a property and, uh, and being a property manager. 
So we're going to talk about the usual things that I always ask owners and managers, how they got into the business, what her main challenges are with a small property management company, her target market, how she adapts her marketing strategies um, around the low and shoulder season, because that's that's something that's really relevant to, to myself and many other managers who have a very distinct high season and then have to manage the 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 areas around that high season and try and get as much occupancy in them as possible. I am, I'm also talking to Maria about the drive to independence uh, from online travel agencies uh, because she is definitely at the forefront of, of doing this. So I want to see how far she's got and what her experience has been so far at driving towards this independence. And finally, I'm going to ask her what tips she has for any other owners who are thinking of starting a small property management company. So without further ado, let's move on over to the interview with Maria. So I'm delighted to have with me today Maria LaBarbera Lamb, from who is who is coming into us from the beautiful state of Maine. Welcome, Maria. How lovely to have you with us. Hi, thanks for having me. It's nice to finally talk to you after listening <laughs> to your podcast for all these years. Well, well, yes. As as I've said quite a lot on this podcast, I, I spend a lot of time on Facebook groups, and and I know you are a member of a lot of different Facebook groups. <laughs> yes. So I've been coming across you all over the place for 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 a long time, and just uh, just so interested in in what you're doing. Um, how you're doing it. I know you're interested in, in gaining independence from the listing site. So I want to, to, exactly. to talk a little bit about that, but let's kick off and, you know, just, can you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, whereabouts you live and, uh, and where these properties are? Sure. Um, I actually live year round on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which is a big vacation rental site. And, um, I have rentals right now. I have two rentals in way down east Maine, and then I have a rental in very rural Nova Scotia. So those are the the three that I have, and then I manage a few others besides that. Excellent. I love I love the I love that you have a rental in Canada. I don't often get to talk to people, you know, fellow connect well fellow Canadian owner, owners of Canadian properties, shall we say. <laughs> Well, probably about uh, 12, 13 years ago now, I was at work and our office had just gotten high speed internet. So I was probably procrastinating and kind of surfing the internet. And I read an article that Nova Scotia and Maritime Canada was one of the last places where you could buy affordable property on the ocean. So then I surfed, you know, real estate sites and I called a real estate agent. And before the end of the day, I had made an offer sight unseen on this little cottage on the Bay of Fundy. I was like, honey, I bought a house in another country. I put the deposit on the credit card. We have to go see what we bought. <laughs> I love that. I Because that's exactly what I did from, from England about 15, 15, no, 20 years ago. Did, did the same thing. I came across and saw something. I didn't, it wasn't quite sight unseen, but I remember calling home and saying, hey, honey, I've just bought a house. <laughs> I thought I was the only one. <laughs> That's what Canada does for you, you see. 
It so. is. It is so beautiful. That's really my happy place up there. So, so and, you you you've been involved in the travel industry for a while, though, haven't you? I have. Starting back when I was in college, I worked for Eastern Airlines. I've worked for hotels. I've worked for Club Med. Um, and then my educational background is psychology and social work, which helps. <laughs> and then I was also a real estate agent for five years. So I think it all kind of combined into this career that I accidentally stumbled upon. Well, I've, I've often said that to, to, to be really successful in this industry, you have to wear a lot of hats. And, you know, psychologist is definitely one of them. But, so, you know, psychology, real estate, teaching, travel, all these things. And uh, so, so that, that must be coming in very useful for you. It is. It is. And, and social work, especially because that basically is problem solving. And this is managing rentals is problem solving a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Day uh, in, day out. What made you want to get into to actually buying the properties and renting them out in the first place? Well, our first rental, uh, which we purchased about 15 years ago, was locally on Cape Cod. And it was a little uh, tiny house before tiny houses were really in. It was 185 square feet, I think. And it was all run down. And I drove past it every way on my way to work. And finally, one day, stopped, made an offer, bought it with the intention of fixing it and flipping it. And by the time we finished fixing it, it was just so darn cute. I said, well, why don't we try renting it? So that was our first, you know, toe dip in the water of rentals. And that was back, you know, 15 years ago. And I was booked from Memorial Day to Labor Day, 100% the 10 years that we owned it. And that was advertising via Craigslist and putting up flyers in the local supermarket. Times have changed since then. Yes, like me, you recall the, the days of, of, of the signs outside the property and the, and the paper catalogs and the classified ads in the newspapers. Yes, yes. And I think I, I used to handwrite letters and mail them to, I, I don't even remember who I mailed them to, but I remember mailing, putting mailings in in the spring. And I always had um, fully rented every year. What about the other properties? How, how long after that one did they come on board? Well, we had the, the one in Canada. And probably about five years ago, we kind of came to the conclusion, should we sell it? We never are here. You know, how practical a purchase was it? Um, and we actually had the telephone repairman over when we were discussing it. And she said, well, why don't you rent it? I would rent this place. And I was like, wow, I hadn't even really thought about it. Um, so we decided to list it on VRBO, and the first year was really successful. We had most of the season booked. Um, so I think that kind of gave me the confidence. Uh, going back to the house on Cape Cod we had for 10 years, there wasn't much we could improve on it to get the rental higher. So I said, what if we sell it and buy something in Maine? And I think, again, my husband said, yeah, yeah, sure. What? <laughs> you, you can do that someday. And about a day after we discussed it, I had a phone call from somebody asking if we'd be interested in selling the house down here in Cape Cod. I'm like, yes. So sold the house on Cape Cod, bought the one house on May- in Maine. A year later, bought the next house in Maine. So I think all roads are leaning to Maine right now. Okay. And what about um, the ones you're, you're now beginning to manage properties on behalf of other people? I, I guess I opened the business two years ago. And I really enjoy doing what I do. So I thought, well, 
maybe I could start a business up there. There really was a need for a business. There's not much competition. So I opened it. And two years ago, sitting down, you know, I wrote my business plan out and I said, you know, what do I want to do? And I think I had listened to one of your podcasts and you had mentioned, you know, you have over a hundred properties and that made me a little nauseous for a minute. Cause I'm like, no, I never, ever want to have over a hundred properties. <laughs> um, I, I think I said on 40 and then as a goal. And then the first year I went out and I looked at a lot of houses and most of them, I wouldn't have wanted to pay to have my vacation there. So I decided, you know, I want to, sell things that I really am passionate about where I would rent where, you know, the house is unique or special or beautiful. So I kind of teased it down and now I have six properties and, you know, if I get 12 properties, that's plenty. I love that approach because, you know, going back to when I first started, I I went the other way and and it was really, I don't care what they're like, I'll just take them on because I need the inventory. And it took a long, long time to actually get to your starting point, really, which is I only want to rent properties that, that people will enjoy. Um, and I think, I think it's a mistake that, that a lot of people make when they're starting out into the property management. They, they just want inventory. They don't really care what it's like and they'll take on anything and everything as long as they can add it. But I, I, I think in retrospect, when I, when I look back on what I did and I hear what you have done, I think yours is the best model. It took me to get to, to 75 properties before before we started dropping all those off the Yikes. bottom end. <laughs> oh, that still makes me nauseous. Oh. <laughs> the six I have now are good. I, I enjoy working with those six. I own three and my cousin owns one. So then I have two two others. Yeah. What what makes them so special? Um, what, what makes them the ones that you know people are going to have a great experience in? Well, I think my properties are special, obviously, because they're um, they're my properties. They're very unique. Uh, I have one that has a little island offshore um, that's uninhabited, but at low tide, you can kind of put on water shoes and do a mud run out there and have a picnic out on the island on low tide, which is quite unique. I, I have another one that has a a bunkhouse, which is kind of like a, a glamping bunkhouse. I have chandeliers and, and beds, and it's a really fun area right in the middle of the hustle and bustle of all the fishing activity of the town. And then the one that has been the biggest seller this summer, it was the first one to book all summer, and I get the most inquiries about, is a tiny little cabin in the middle of the woods on the edge of the ocean semi-off the grid, no telephone, no internet, no cell service. And that's the one that everybody is going crazy over. What, what's that one called? Spruce Cottage. Spruce Cottage. That's the one I was looking at a little bit before we got onto this, this call. And I was thinking, wow, this is so unique, a disconnected cottage. So you can go and just disconnect and be right on the ocean. And I can, I really understand why that's going. Yeah, it's the first year that it's ever been a rental, so we weren't sure how it was going to go, and it's it's the one, it's the number one this year. So <laughs> the owner's very happy. Well, I you know, for, for for listeners, I'm I will of course put the link to Maria's website uh, on the show notes, but uh, it is Wicked Awesome Maine Vacation Rentals or AcadiaMainVacation.com. 
So <laughs> that will that will be in the show notes. But do go take a look at um at all the properties on there. I'm um, that they're just they just look so special. I've never been to Maine, so you know this. Yeah, you have to go. Definitely a place I've got to come to. You you've got these beautiful properties. It's not in an in an area where it, it's sort of well known for for vacation rentals. Um, so, it so, is not. Yeah. So how how do you attract people? Who's your target market, and and how do you go about reaching them? I have often said, half jokingly, that my target market is retired quilters from Ohio, because <laughs> that seems to be my biggest demographic traditionally. Um, I I advertise a lot. I, I do a lot of social media marketing, um, kind of towards Ohio and that Midwest area, Pennsylvania, Indiana. Out there, I get a lot of um, guests from that area. And then also from the New England states, I get a lot of guests. Well, it's, it's interesting you say retired quilters from Ohio because I talk a lot about defining your persona, the, 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 real, you know, the person who is going to come and visit the property. And you've got to be really specific about it, about age they are, what, what stage of work they're at, um, what their hobbies are. And you just said it. It's a retired quilter from Ohio. <laughs> and I was just up in Nova Scotia a few weeks ago and right down 10 minutes from our cottage, they just opened a fabric store. And I was like, yes, because people always ask me, where's the nearest fabric store? And it's an hour away. I'm like, there's one right down the road now. <laughs> so are you getting retired quilters from Ohio? I am. And that, that's how I came upon the demographic because I, I would field questions, you know, where, where's the nearest fabric store from? Yeah. Lots and lots of people. <laughs> Trying to market a little bit more towards younger professionals. Um, and then my one house, uh, Featherbed Island, I'm also kind of tailoring it towards more younger professionals and honeymooners because I've had quite a few honeymooners and a proposal there. So it's a very romantic place to be. Well, that, that sort of brings me on to the topic of naming names because you, you often hear people say, well, I, I don't, I haven't got a name for my property, but yours all have, have such great names. You have Featherbed Island House, Spruce Cottage, Narrows Watch, what I love, the Frisky Fish Cottage and Boathouse <laughs> and Saltbrook on the Bay. But, you know, you say Featherbed Island House. Well, yeah, you can imagine that that's actually going to attract honeymooners. No credit to me that the island just offshore is Featherbed Island. So <laughs> <laughs> that one was pretty easy. Well, it helps though, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. And I definitely think it, um, you know, as far as marketing goes, you know, if you give them names that people are going to remember. I found uh, with our company, because we've, we've got 180 properties now, um, that's, that's scaring you even, even more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but every single one of them has a name and, and guests, um, that they, they relate to the names. When they, when they come back the following year, they'll talk specifically about the property name. You know, I, I can't wait to come back to Sunset Bay or Kingfisher Cottage or Blue Sea Retreat rather than, you know, I want to come back to 30A whatever road. Right, exactly. It's, it's really nice to see, see those, those names. So with your target um, market, you, 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 you talked about reaching them through social media. Can you just sort of run through how you get out to 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 your different target markets? Are you using different methods for for different target demographics? Sure. Um, I use Facebook, 
is my go-to social media. Uh, I obviously have a, excuse me, business page and I try to post often at least once a day, uh, usually two or three times a day. I have dabbled a little in Facebook ads here and there, um, not hugely successful. Um, and I also join, as you know, I join a lot of groups. I network a lot with other owners and I also join groups of what my target audience might also be a member of, uh, like main wedding groups, um, or just like main wedding pages and then going through and making lots of comments and thumbs up and things like that from wicked awesome main. So people will read my comment and then they'll say, oh, what's Wicked Awesome Maine? So they'll click on it and get to my page. That's a great idea. People often ask, you know, how do I do this on Facebook without seeming like I'm, I'm blatantly advertising? But that's, that's a great way of, of doing it, just starting off with the likes and, and comments. But if people want to see, because I do that a lot. If somebody, if somebody likes something and I don't know them, I'll often click on the name. Right, they are, yeah, and also a not just target audience, but a lot of local businesses in my town. I'll like all the local businesses, and you know, a restaurant will post a picture of an ice cream sundae, and you know, just you know, putting a little comment, mm, that looks good. You know, it just gets it helps their engagement, which in turn hopefully will help my engagement. That's a good idea too. That's that great cross um, uh, or cross promoting with with local businesses too. So, what what are your seasons? Maria, uh, do you have distinct seasons? Uh, you know, the four seasons, uh, summer obviously is the, the big season, followed by autumn. My personal houses, I have open year-round. I do pretty well year-round. You know, not every week is booked, but, you know, I do get people in there. And I, I find that a lot of my repeat people are people who come off-season. You know, I have a family that's come the last four years for Thanksgiving week. Mm-hmm. And then I have another woman who comes with her grandkids in April. So I do get um, a good amount of, you know, the low season guests. I, I think in part because my houses are probably the only two rental houses that are available in the winter. I have very high summer rates, probably higher than most of the other properties in my area. But then my off season rates, I, I lower them quite a bit. So it's a really good bargain for somebody wanting to travel off season. And I, I remember reading that somewhere, be the highest in your area in the high season and the lowest in your area in the low season. And so far it's worked really well. Where, where you've got people that are, that are traveling from, you know, not a huge distance where you're likely to get repeat guests, then that's, that's a great ploy to, to use because your, your high season guests are going to come back in the low season. And of course, the more your repeat guests come, the more they go home and talk about this wonderful place they've been to over and over again. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your marketing ambassadors, I love them to bits. Let's get on to this topic of marketing and advertising. Well, let's start with your website because I love the website. It's your creation, but it is, it is from um, one of Alan Egan's Anyway, He's coaching. I, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've, I talked to Alan recently on the podcast and he talked about these websites, why he's created them as they are, which is more for showcasing the uh, location and the area rather than just jumping straight into, hey, I've got however many bedrooms and bathrooms, which a lot of people do. So what was it made you choose 
that way of developing your website? I have always had a website since the beginning, 15 years ago, but it started out just, you know, this is the property. This is, you know, how many bedrooms, how many baths, you know, a one page website. And then a few years ago, I uh, got one of the vacation rental companies that have templates and I got one of their websites and it was easy to set up and it did the job, but to me it was blah and I couldn't customize it the way I wanted to. So when Alan you know, offered his website and his instruction, I thought it was great. I think it looks good. Uh, I like the theory that you're educating people about the area and you're giving them things to do and look at this great place. And especially in a place that's not normally a, a huge tourist area, um, that there are plenty of things to do. And I'm trying to right now, I'm trying to do a little blog post um, 20 a month on the website, just a little blurb of, you know, there's a farmer's market this day. There's, you know, the blueberry fat, there's an art gallery here just so you can go on and say, wow, there is a lot of stuff to do in this area. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just scrolling through it at the moment. So I've, um, you know, I'm down at food truck Fridays and I think, wow, that's, that's such a really interesting little piece there. Moose Island bakery. Now that, that certainly caught my attention too. Um, Oh, it's delicious. (laughs) And then you've got museums, farm days, just so much there. But for somebody like me, let's say, who has absolutely no idea about what the you know what's in your area, it's it's a great resource. And I think this is what this is where Alan's coming from on this. It's a great resource for somebody who's just interested in the area before they even start looking for accommodation. So if they come across your site in that research then they've also got the accommodation to see as well. So I think, you know, that, that's, that's definitely the thrust of what, what Alan is trying to do. And then with the blog postings, I also have it set up so when the blog postings automatically post each day, then they are automatically go over and are posted on my Facebook page. And then for my Facebook page, they're automatically posted on Pinterest. So I have that all scheduled. So hopefully it looks like I'm working really harder than I actually am. <laughs> so, so I'm interested in that. How, how do you do that scheduling? Is that, is that something that you do manually or have you got it set up as, a, as a, some, something automated somewhere? On the webpage itself, the blogs, I have all the blogs. I sat down last week and I wrote out 20 blog postings for July. So I have them posting through the website, you know, one a day for 20 days. Mm-hmm. And then I... I'm trying to remember the name of the program. I think it's Zapier, Zapier Zapier.com. And um, that does the automatic postings to Facebook and to Pinterest. Okay. And and is that that fee-based? I have the free plan. Okay. So so with the free plan, you're able to post to the blog and then have it distributed out to social media platforms as well. Yes. Every month I kind of get a warning email that I'm reaching my limit, but I don't think I've actually reached the limit yet. (laughs) Excellent. It's well, still free. Well, I shall put a link to to that because I, I've heard of Zapier, but I haven't actually used it. Although I was talking to Jason Beaton recently, who is a um, an online marketing expert who's, <laughs> who's doing a lot of work in vacation rentals. Um, he's actually working with our company, and he, and he'd mentioned Zapier. So I, I need to go have a look at that because that's that that sounds great. It's I remember in in the past before these things. Mm-hmm. before these automated things came on it was a real task you know you'd write a blog post 
And then you'd have to go copy and paste it into Facebook and Twitter and, and Pinterest. Um, and it was, it was a chore. But that, exactly. But this sounds like it's, it's, it's all, almost just about press of a button stuff. It is. And then the other one that I found that is similar is called, I believe it's called later.com. And that you can schedule postings to Instagram, oh. which has been very helpful. Okay. Let's talk about Instagram. Because as I mentioned to you when we chatted before we started recording, um, I've, been, I've been meaning to, to really get going on Instagram for years. I mean, I, and I really mean years. This is like two years since I, I, I announced I was going to become the world's greatest expert in Instagram. I think you said, you, you know, you don't quite understand it, but it seems to work. So, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm new to Instagram. Uh, again, years ago, one of my very first guests... And one of my main houses put in the review that his sister was Instagramming it like crazy. And I was on Instagram. How do I find these pictures <laughs> looking for them? And I wasn't successful and I, I gave up. But I, I started posting uh, maybe three or four months ago. And so far, it's, you know, in three or four months, I'm just looking at it now. I have 259 followers, which I think is pretty good for something I'm not really understanding that well. Do you think it's driving people back to your website yet? I think it is a little bit. Um, you know, I don't know if I've gotten any bookings from it, but I I think there's been activity to the website from it. You know, I, I don't have any proof to back it up, unfortunately. Yeah. But. Well, I, well, I guess if, if, if it's happening, I mean, you've got obviously you've got to post stuff on there, but if you're posting it via some one of these automated platforms like later.com then once again there isn't a huge amount of work involved correct and and again like in facebook now that i am doing instagram i try to get on at least once a day and make comments or you know heart other people's pictures with the hopes you know that some of their followers will see it and you know want to see who i am and go you know similar to the facebook I, I guess that's that's an important part of it. It's not just promoting and marketing and doing your own stuff, but it's 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 that engagement with others. Right. So so you you've got the website. Where else where where else are you advertising? You know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> <laughs> I am listed on VRBO, on Airbnb, on Flipkey, on HomeScape, probably a half a dozen other free sites. Um, when I started really marketing with the main house about four years ago, I think I listed on any site that I didn't have to pay up front for. Um, and it was probably 20, 25 sites. And then at one point I'm like, I can't keep up with updating. So now I'm down to, you know, maybe half a dozen. I I've probably forgotten some that I'm on. Um, but I just ran a report this morning and in, 2017 with my bookings 43% were direct from my website with the other uh, 57 from Airbnb or VRBO so I think I'm I'm, I'm gaining traction there well abs absolutely um so so tell me about your thought what what are your thoughts on the online travel agencies and you know that the changes that are coming about with with home away and the move and I think the expression now is commoditizing <laughs> Oh, do I need to say it? <laughs> <laughs> um, the biggest thing for me, I mean, the service fee is awful. The lack of communicating with, with the guest is awful. The biggest thing for me in all of my properties has been the location 
Mm-hmm. I, you know, I went from being 250 houses in my area in Maine to the entire state of Maine with over 6,000 houses. So you're just buried and how somebody finds you, I don't know. Well, this, this comes back to, you know, to a person like me who's never been to Maine, who hasn't got a clue where to go, what to see, what to do, and who might look at a map and find an area, but then to go on to VRBO and find everything lumped together, that would be a drawback, I guess. I haven't used VRBO as a traveler for quite a while since they've made these changes. I don't see how I I would give up. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. And I get uh, calls and emails all the time, inquiries from VRBO, and they think they're six hours from where they want to be. It's like, well, no, we're, you know, we're actually a four hour drive from this beach. And they're like, well, I, I looked in that area. I'm like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. it's VRBO. So what, what happens then when people come to you via, via VRBO, you're not getting their contact information. You can't, e- well, I suppose you can still email them, but it's within the home away VRBO platform, right? Right. So far, I mean, that hasn't bothered me uh, as much as, others. And I know even with inquiries from my website, they have to put in their contact information, obviously. But I found that increasingly there are more people that don't want to chat. They just want to book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't personally had that difficulty yet, although I know it's a big issue for a lot of people. How about your, your Airbnb experience? Um, how's that been for you? It's been dead. <laughs> I think in I've been listed four or five years on Airbnb, and I've had, I think, three bookings through them. Again, I think it's because when you search in Maine, they give you the entire state of Maine. So you can either look at the entire state and every Airbnb in it, or you can write in the name of my tiny little town, which most people don't know the name of. Mm-hmm. So I, the listings get buried there as well. And also, most of my listings are full week stays. So I think that kind of, you know, Airbnb is more catering towards, you know, shorter stays. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting um, as, as a rural operator myself to, to see what, uh, what Airbnb are, are trying to do, um, which is to push out into the rural market. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst, whilst my t- it's interesting up here in Ontario because there's a big outcry at the moment about um, rentals in Toronto. So Airbnb are, um, are quite prominent in, in the discussion about um, whole home sharing being banned in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly um, renting out a, a property that's not a primary residence. So they're very vocal about that to say, well, that's fine. You know, let's maintain our shared home, shared homes. And, right. and they seem okay to, to, to throw everybody else under the bus. <laughs> Yet get out into the rural area and it's like, you know, now we are, we are proponents of whole home rentals. I'm, I'm just finding, you know, watching, watching the, the sort of flip-flopping backwards and forwards a little, you know, quite interesting at the moment. I mean, the, the few rentals I've had through them have been fine. And, I, you know, I keep listening there for the exposure. Um, but it's not big in my area. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing a lot about home escape um, and, you know, other, other small niche-related sites that are popping up. Now, you've had experience of, of advertising on plenty of the free sites. 
how do you feel they're working? Do you think they are getting any traction? Is it, is it worthwhile for people to be listing with these sites still? I think it depends how much time you want to spend maintaining a listing that may just sit and not get any inquiries. Um, I have been listed on HomeScape since the beginning. In fact, I, I was just thinking today I have to sit down and, you know, redo my listing because I haven't looked at it for a while. I did add my reviews there. Um, that's the, the name that I've been hearing the most of, you know, going to hopefully replace VRBO uh, as the old VRBO model. You know, we'll have to wait and see. I, I did, I think I hear somebody say they were getting a thousand new listings a day or a lot. Yeah, it would. But then it begs the question, when do, when do VRBO HomeAway come along to Home Escape and say, okay, you've got, you've got exactly. all these listings. We, we will remunerate you and take them from you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, I think, I think the, you know, going, going the route of having your own site and really working at it and doing the marketing has, has got to be, has got to be the way forward. I think so. And I, I do think regional sites are helpful as well. Uh, you know, as of yet, there's no regional site in Maine. I would love to be the person to create it, but I don't have the money or time. <laughs> um, when I started my website uh, in Maine, which was probably about three years ago, I started getting emails from people asking if they could just pay to list their property. And, you know, I said, no, you know, I'm a property manager. I want to, you know, do the booking. But now I'm thinking, huh, maybe I should rethink that. Um, and just, you know, figure out some way where people can just, you know, pay and have a listing on my website. Well, do you see these ones popping up now? I think there's there's one now for Anna Maria Island. There's the Emerald Beach, yeah, in Florida, um, Carolinas. I think South Carolina has just popped up as well, and it's almost like every other day now. Um, these regional sites are, are are being born. Yeah, and I think they're a good idea. I know, you know, here on Cape Cod, we need a vacation dot com has been around for mm. years and years and years, and they're very successful. Um, Yes, those guys are immensely successful. They they have great relationships with their owners. They have that they are committed really to keeping it as 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 the traditional listing site. And I just you know fingers crossed they don't go the way of of, of many of the others. And I've got a I knew, got a feeling they won't. <laughs> I know. I asked them, "Do you want to expand up in Maine?" And they're like, "No, no interest." Darn. <laughs> So, so let's go back to the um, the properties that that you manage. How you know other owners are off uh, so often getting approached by by people saying, you know, look, you have a couple of properties yourself. You seem to be doing very well. Will you manage mine for me as well? Do you have any tips or advice to give those owners when they're approached like that? You know, figure out what you want to. Do you know? Do you want 175 properties or do you want 12 properties? I think that that's a big thing. Um, you know, how much time? I mean, the one thing that's been difficult for me, you know, I've been managing long distance for years now, and I said, oh, I can add on more. And the distance is hard for me. You know, if I do expand larger, it will be if and when someday I move up to Maine, and and make sure that you have good local support uh, that you're whether you're doing it uh in my case i just do the 
advertising and booking and the owner has to have their own, you know, cleaners and somebody on call and make sure that they are somebody who is going to be there because you're the one who's going to get the call. So you need to be able to reach whoever you need to reach uh, to solve the problem. Let's go back to what we were talking about earlier on when I I said, you know, we we just took on everything and anything at the very (laughs) outset. What advice would you have about, about setting standards? Well, I think safety standards are the number one most important, you know, making sure that the house is safe. You know, you have to mention the the legal parts, you know, make sure that you have contracts either drawn up by an attorney or looked at by an attorney because, you know, you don't, if anything happens, you're probably going to get sued anyway, but you want to, you know, make sure that you're protected on that end. But for me, I'm not a very good salesperson for something I don't like. And, you know, if I go into a house and I'm like, I wouldn't pay money to, to rent this place. I, I, I don't think I could represent it well because I, I just mm. couldn't sell it. Um, I know, so I I know exactly it. where you're coming from on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've changed so much over the past sort of 10 or 15 years and, and uh, walked into a property the other day and uh, it was as much as I could do not to to just turn around and walk straight out again. You know, I'm I'm far too polite to do that. But it, was very, <laughs> it was very close. But I and I was thinking back afterwards, and I thought, gosh, you know, when I started out, I might have just taken this on, and and just crossed my fingers and hoped for the best. It's just really important to set the standards that you 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 want. You want to be able to sell something that you you like yourself. Right. I mean, it's the travel industry, and you know, you want happy travelers don't misrepresent a property you know i at this point in the game i try to spell things out in detail this is what it's it's like you know there is no beach here you know the the waterfront is mud or you know i try to be honest and you know so that people's expectations don't when they get there they're not ah this isn't what i expected that's protecting you as a as a property manager so much uh, as as much as as the the guest as well, so you know everybody is is very upfront and open about what 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 they can expect and what they're going to get. For for anybody out there, and I know I've got a lot of listeners here, and and recently had an email from somebody who is thinking about buying a property in a rural market, and in perhaps a rural market where they don't live in. So so perhaps they're they're not um, as familiar with the area. What should new What should new owners consider before they go out and buy and rent out a property in an area that they're not familiar with? I think, and the only property of the ones that I've owned that we bought specifically as a rental was the Frisky Fish Cottage, and you know we evaluated it as a vacation rental. Is this a place where people would want to come and rent and vacation? Uh, it's waterfront. I can advertise it as waterfront. Um, I mean, if you have the luxury to do that, that's a consideration. Um, network with the local people. Uh, one of the biggest challenges in a rural area is finding, you know, cleaners, property managers, you know, somebody who can be out to unclog a toilet at a moment's notice. 
and you know i've especially up in nova scotia you know have fingers crossed like <laughs> you know i'm on my last person here you know i've been through three cleaners and i'm on the last one in the town <laughs> i'm like if this doesn't work i don't know what i'm gonna do um so kind of get your ducks in a row and make sure that there are those um support systems in place mm-hmm. um and then it, it just it's a job you know it, Define what you what your goals are for renting out this rural property. You know, is it for income? Is it to just offset some of the bills? Uh, it part of you know the reason we rented the house in Nova Scotia was because it was an old house, and my property manager up there used to tell me it needs to be lived in. You know, you you leave it vacant fifty weeks out of the year. You need people in here to. to you know, turn water on and, you know, turn the furnace on. Uh, so that was, you know, one of the reasons why we rented that out. So kind of figure out, you know, depending on what you want to do, it might be a part-time job, it might be a full-time job, but it, it's a job. Now, that's a great point from, from my experience from living in England and coming and buying a property out in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, we decided to move here, but, uh, but yes, it was, it, was, it was, I bought it on a whim. You know, we came across for a holiday right. and, you know, this is nice. I like this. You know, I, I think we can do this. So bought the property and, you know, fortunately, fortunately that was start of the, you know, really the start of a new career, but it could have been very different because yeah. <laughs> I didn't do any of those things. Um, just, just before we, uh, we, we finish, Maria, I just have a, a question to ask you about a diaper wearing house chicken. <laughs> And for those listening who are thinking, where, where is she going with this? If you need to read Maria's bio on her website, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that it's on the contact, contact us page. So go take a look at that. Um, I absolutely love this because I say to just a lot of people how important the About Us section is because it really brings life and personality to an owner or a property manager. So, Everybody should have this this great bio and about us page. So I've I've read through it. But right at the very end, you said your oh so chaotic home life consists of a musician hubby, two teenagers, four cats, two dogs, and a diaper wearing house chicken. Well, I could I could not leave without having you explain that one. Well, we had a flock of six chickens, and one of the chickens, you know, my daughter especially loved Rosa. And unfortunately, that awful, awful winter, two or three years ago, uh, Fox was able to get into the hen house. And Rosa was the only survivor. So she moved inside. She was in the basement at night and in the backyard during the day. And then this year before Christmas, a hawk attacked her. So the week before Christmas, drove around to find a vet that was open that did chicken surgery. The chicken had surgery. So now the chicken lives inside in a diaper with a diaper, <laughs> wanders the house. She has traveled. She's traveled to New York. She's traveled to Maine. She would have gone to Nova Scotia with her, but you can't bring poultry across the border. But she goes everywhere with us, and she's probably the best traveler of, of the family. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I haven't seen a picture of Rosa. I, you know, I looked through your Facebook page. But there was no I'll have to, I'll have to post one. <laughs> yes, I would love to see a picture of of Rosa, the diaper wearing house chicken. Um, Maria, it's been fantastic talking with you. I just love your approach 
to all this. You're you're so knowledgeable about vacation rentals in general. You've been doing it a long time, and and just thank you for for, for sharing though this you know, this time with us. Well, thanks for having me. I know I've been listening to your podcast for years, so it's nice to to finally talk in sort of person. <laughs> well, well, that's great. So I'm going to put a link to your website on on the show notes. So if anybody wants to to take a look, and if um, you know, if anybody's thinking about buying a rural property or starting a small agency, you know, post a note on the show notes and, um, you know, I'll, I'll check with Maria and if you've got a question, maybe she'll come back and uh, uh, answer that for you. So for now, Maria, thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Thank you very much. That was an absolute pleasure talking to Maria after I came off the uh, the recording or stopped the recording. Maria and I were chatting at the end and she said, she said, oh, we didn't talk about the great Dane that peed on the sofa. It's like, oh, really? And that, that started us talking about a whole range of issues that uh, that we all face. And I'm, I'm thinking I need to do a separate episode on the funniest things that have happened. And I know a Great Dane peeing on your sofa is probably not a funny thing to happen. But uh, we were talking about what happens when guests arrive a day early, as as Maria had experienced um, guests arriving at one of her properties on the wrong day. And I know that we, last year, we had guests who forgot to leave a property on checkout day because they'd entirely forgotten what day it was. They were having such a great time and they went out for a picnic for the day and the owner arrived to do the changeover to find that all their stuff was still in the house and there was no sign of the guests and the next ones were due in in three hours time. So fortunately that worked out. We were able to contact the guests and they realized their mistake and came hot footing it back and that was resolved. But we were sort of talking about the multitude of things that happen to to all of us. And can you imagine if we put all those things together in one place, it would make one mighty tome, wouldn't it? Um, so maybe that's something we should think about doing. But anyway, um, you know, I, I, I just, I love talking to people who are really involved in the business, you know, operationally involved, are doing this on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I I, I really enjoyed uh, Maria talking about the way she she markets via her website and the blogs, uh, blog posts, and then distributing those blog posts out to different social media platforms. So I'm going to really check out zapier.com and later.com and um, yeah, explore that a little bit more because I think uh, it's it's not really something I've spent much time on and would like to do. So that's it for another episode. Um, I'll be looking forward to um, speaking to Matt Lando again next week for part two of traveling of of the adventures of traveling Matt Lando. So until then, it's been a delight being with you, and I'll look forward to being with you again next time.